Hey everyone, Eric Grenier here, and welcome to the 62nd episode of the RIT Podcast. François Legault and the Coalition Avenir Québec entered the Quebec election campaign with a massive lead in the polls. The last five weeks hasn't changed that, despite a rocky campaign, and the CEQ appears set for another majority government when Quebecers cast their ballots on Monday. But there are still some unanswered questions that will only be answered when the results come in, as the Quebec Liberals and the Parti Québécois worry about their futures, and the Conservatives and Quebec Solidaire look to establish themselves as real alternatives. Every week, Philippe J. Fournier of 338Canada.com has been joining me for subscriber-only bonus episodes of the podcast, but today he's back again for a last look at the Quebec election campaign. Bonjour, Philippe. How has this campaign been going for you? <laughs> very tiring. Um, the Quebec election, as I said on the very first week, Eric, uh, Quebecers love their provincial elections. And they, they don't call it provincial elections here. They call it élections québécoises. It's very important to not say provincial. Uh, so it's it's much, much bigger deal than a federal election. And so it's going. It's been going well. Uh, lots of media for me, uh, obviously, and lots of uh, pressure to get it right, uh, as always. But it, you know, since I'm from here, uh, I get a lot of attention, and I know I will get a lot of flack if I do not get it right on uh, on Monday night. But uh, it's been it's been uh, kind of fun. It's been a boring election, but yet it's still been quite fun to follow because there's a serious race for second place. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. We are going to go through each of the parties uh, and talk about really how this campaign has been going for them and what to look for on Monday night. So uh, we'll start with, we'll go by the order of uh, how the parties were dissolution. So we'll start with the Quebec Conservatives under Eric Duhem. Uh, you know, they went into this campaign with a lot of attention, I'd say, because this is a party that, to put into context for Canadians outside of Quebec, the Quebec Conservatives are were a tiny little fringe party that would get maybe one or two percent of the vote. They were not a real like provincial-wide party. Uh, and Eric Duhem, who's a former, uh, he's been a former kind of political person within conservative circles federally and in Quebec, but also he was a uh, radio host, uh, sort of one of those talk radio shock jocks kind of people. Uh, he has given the party some attention. He's yep. used the uh, pandemic, you know, to... Uh, to kind of tap into that that anger that is there. But it seems like he's more or less where he was at the beginning of this campaign, 15, 16, 17%. That's about it. Uh, you are correct. Um, when we... Uh, thing is, a lot of people do not look at polls much. <laughs> and uh, for that, for, for you and I, this is strange, right? And uh, for people who started following the campaign after Labor Day, they said, oh, Rick Zem is at 15%? How did that happen? And it's like, it's been that way since March. Uh, his rise really was... Uh, during the Omicron wave, the second lockdown, the second curfew we had in Quebec in January, uh, his party went from four to five percent to somewhere around 15. Some polls had it even at 18 or 19 or even 20. Uh, but since the campaign began, Eric, uh, we haven't seen any growth uh, from Eric Duhem. He always says he's on the rise and he's the only party on the rise, which is, you know, technically is kind of true. Uh, but he's been flat, he's plateaued. And uh, in the last few days of this campaign, the latest numbers that we have and uh, shows that it's slipping now. Uh, so, uh, no, I don't want to put the hypothesis on why it's, it's slipping. Perhaps some of his followers realize that he's probably not going to win <laughs> because they said, oh, Eric Duhem majority earlier and they were really... Uh, fooling themselves um 
but the conservatives uh, you know they they are competitive in three seats uh eating them seats uh, just north of quebec city is chauveau we talked about it before and of course in both there's two ridings provincial ridings uh, both north and both sud where we expect the the conservatives to do well it's just that in those both in both regions the cq although also does really well uh so right now i have zero seats for the uh, conservatives but the confidence interval stretches to three so it's possible that the conservatives pull off an upset and uh, win a few seats on on monday night yeah, we had some polls that were done in Chauveau. Uh, There's two different polls from two different uh, pollsters, Sigma and Main Street. Both had Zurem in second by a decent margin, not close enough that you would say that, you know, it's just a margin of error kind of thing. But the uh, the polls that came out for both Nord and both Sud, those that was pretty interesting because it more or less had... What was interesting also was that it, it had the CQ and the Conservatives taking about 90% of the vote. So it's almost that it's only those two parties. It's a race between those two. One of them had the Conservatives ahead. The other one had the Conservatives just behind. So it's possible that they could win one or two of those seats there. Zurem doesn't win his seat, which would be uh, an odd thing to have two um, MNAs and not, neither one of them is the leader. But if they do fall short, let's say they don't win these seats, because as you said, you know, the perception of whether you're going to win or not can sometimes have an impact on whether people are going to go out to vote. And the CEQ has more support among older people who vote in bigger numbers. What happens if the Conservatives finish second or third in the, in the, in the vote, but don't even get a seat? Well, you know, I, I, I am not, I'll say this, I've said this before, but I'm not necessarily a fan of electoral reform. I, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, it's just that this system that we have, the first-past-the-post system, will become increasingly impossible to defend if you have parties like the Parti Québécois and the Conservatives together possibly getting 30% of the vote and together possibly winning three, four seats <laughs> out of 125. And so uh, electoral reform will be back on the table for the opposition parties. Uh, the CAQ of obviously doesn't want anything to do with it. The liberals have, you know, the liberals have been consistent. They, 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 they're not for it, even though they would, you know, they would do well under a proportional system. Um, but uh, it's 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 going to come back on the table. It's just that the conservatives, uh, well, a lot of people in there, not everybody, but a lot of people are the convoy type, uh, you know, anti-mask, anti-mask, anti-vaxxers, uh, and, and anti-system people. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of them can be very motivated to, to vote. Uh, we saw some of them, of course, uh, support Pierre Poilievre at the federal level. But will they go all the way to the to the booth to vote if they feel like their party is losing? Uh, I'm this is what I'm looking forward to, and this is a nightmare for posters. For you and I, do seat projections. We know we have a certain leeway with those parties, but for posters, I mean, the PCQ is at 15% on average right now. They could get 11, and I would not be surprised. They could get 18, mm-hmm. and I would not be surprised. Um, obviously. You know, the CQ is working really hard to stop Eric Zwem from being in the National Assembly. Uh, I, I wonder what that does uh, once uh, once the dust settles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if they do end up winning one or two of those both seats, it, it will make a big difference even if Zwem's not in the Assembly oh, yeah. because he will at least still get to be the leader of a party that has some seats. If they're completely shut out, you do wonder what happens over the next four years. Uh, but, you know... Parties are publicly funded in Quebec, and the Conservatives are going to make a lot of 
votes, which means they'll make a lot of money. So, you know, it, it is going to be a viable operation for the next four years. I guess we'll just see if they have any any voices in the National Assembly or not. Uh, no, no seats for Eric Zwem would be uh, tough because then he wouldn't have access to National Assembly, mm. right? He, he had access to the National Assembly because he had uh, one cross the floor uh, last last winter. Uh, but without any seats, uh, maybe what's good could happen, and of course we're, you know, hypothesis here, but there's going to be a lot of CEQ MNAs that are going to be disappointed. <laughs> if the CEQ does win indeed between 90 and 95 seats, uh, they had 74 last election. And so, uh, you know, if you're a new CEQ MNA that has won, uh, you know, a traditional liberal seat or a traditional PQ seat, and you say, well, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I managed to win an upset. I, I deserve some kind of cabinet post. Uh, and Legault is not going to be able to give them away like candy. You know, he's got 25 to 28 uh, ministers in his cabinet. So uh, a lot of CEQ voters are going to feel that four years is a long time to be a backbencher and just to be whipped into voting with the party line. Perhaps Eric Zwem, you know, courts a few of them. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, that uh, I don't think the conservatives is going away, but uh, we'll see if they become an actual fixture or not. And I think the results we have will probably give us a good idea of that. Okay, so let's move on to the Parti Québécois, uh, which started the campaign as really the the party that seemed to be in the most trouble. There were some polls that had them in, in the, the high single digits. Uh, there was talk that they would only win the one seat of Pascal Berube and Matan Metapédia uh, because he has like 60% support. And we saw a poll during the campaign that, that confirmed it. But now it, it seems like they've actually had a pretty good campaign uh, Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon, the leader, has been seen as either the winner or the second best performer in both of the debates. And they have a little bit of momentum, but it almost seems like the momentum is just going to save them from disaster. Oblivion, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, I'll say this for the Parti Québécois. It's their uh, momentum uh, it's, is real, but it's been greatly amplified. I mean, we're talking about a party that was at 10 and now it's maybe at 14. <laughs> so it's good for them. It's just that there's no blue wave coming up. I mean, we'll have more polls tomorrow on Sunday and we'll know whether, I mean, if the PQ is at 17%, suddenly the narrative will change. And I freely admit that, but you and I are scientists. I mean, we have to follow with the data. And Paul Saint-Pierre has had a good campaign. It's true. His personal numbers, not just the party's voting intention, his personal numbers have improved a lot. And usually it's a good sign. It's a, you know, a, a, a thing precoce of greatness. We'll see if it materializes, because it's true that the PQ doesn't have the get-out-the-vote machine it, it once had. Uh, and also, if the PQ vote is spread out like we think it is, uh, it could get to 15% and it still could win the only single seat. I mean, that would be a tragedy, of course, uh, democratically. Um, I, I, you know, right now I have three seats for the Parti Québécois. The confidence intervals goes up to nine if they, you know, they have a great uh, get out the vote campaign and perhaps they overperform by a point or two. Um, but still, some of those seats in the Bas-Saint-Laurent-Gaspésie uh, are really close. And uh, the, the, the regional numbers that we had in the Gaspésie had the CEQ leading by 25 points. 
and, and that includes Matan Matepedia, where Pascal Berube has you know 65% of the vote. So those polls would have to be wrong, or the voting intentions would have to change dramatically in the last what two two, two weeks to ten days. Um, so the, yeah, the Parti Québécois safe face. It's also true that Pelsepierre-Bamondon had a free ride. I mean, it, it really reminds me of Quebec Solidaire a few elections ago, where basically nobody talks about them. He's never criticized. He's never challenged. He's just touring Quebec with his bus and with a smile and no pressure because what, you know, what could happen? It mean, the PQ could not go any lower than they were earlier in the campaign. So the only way to go was up. It's not taking away anything from Monsieur Plamondon. He did have a good campaign. I'm looking forward to see if he wins his own seats in uh, in Camille Lorrain or Bourget in the eastern part of Montreal. We we often see that in election campaigns, the party that's in you know third or fourth or fifth or whatever, a party that's further back, uh, will often get good marks for its campaign and its leader, but in part because none of the other parties are bothering to attack them, right? So we often see that happening, and if you're a party in that position, you have to take advantage of it. So they've been able to do that. And you mentioned whether. Uh, uh, Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon could win in Camille Lorrain. Um, I wonder, you know, we did have that poll that came out that showed that he was a bit further back. The Quebec Solidaire candidate had to drop out, so a lot of that vote has been liberated. But he is getting a national, a province-wide coverage, right, which his opponent in that riding isn't. So you do wonder if that is going to help him just because if he's getting lots of coverage that's saying, hey, this guy's not so bad, he seems kind of nice. You know, that's the kind of thing that the, his opponent is not getting in that riding. And the, the, the Quebecois media machine really got on that bandwagon. Uh, you know, objectively, one would say that uh, the, the voters of Camille Lorrain would be better represented by a party leader than a backbencher, uh, you know, regardless of party preference. I mean, uh, Camille Lorrain, uh, you know, used to be a safe PQ seat for a long time. Uh, and the PQ lost it by 500 votes last election. Uh, Richard Campo, the CAQ uh, MNA uh, in, uh, in Bourget, really is not a very well-known figure. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't say this um, to put him down, but he is a backbencher. Uh, he's been, uh, you know, a non-factor for the CAQ um, in the last four years. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. He, he, you know, the narrative now is that he will win. I have a statistical tie. Uh, basically, we do not know. Anybody who tells you mm -hmm. that they know. They're lying because we do not know. The polls had the PQ a bit behind uh, before the PQ rise. And then again, the, the, the age split is still there. The, the older voters are still massively behind Francois Legault and the CAQ. And so that could uh, make a difference. And uh, the, the, um, the advance voting uh, was really good for the CAQ. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And the other seats that they would, if if they're adding some, they would be, I would assume, the ones out in the Gaspésie, yeah. Ile de Madeleine, Bonaventure, uh, Bonaventure Gaspé. Not Gaspé, though. Not Gaspé. I okay. mean, I you know, I don't want to sound too uh, too uh, curt here, and uh, because I could be wrong, and I'd have to apologize. Uh, I really don't think that the the, the Parti Québécois is winning Gaspé. They won it by a hair against the Liberals last time, and I really doubt any liberal liberal voter will just go to the PQ. So, uh, but Bonaventure for sure uh, to to watch. Et la Madeleine, 
but, you know, small population, very few polls. I mean, I had a leaked poll. I'm not going to tell by who there was 45 respondents. <laughs> that's, that's a town I think hall. They just it's went like, down to a bar and exactly. talked to people. Then. I mean, it's really hard to reach people there. And there was a hurricane. So I think they don't, you know, they don't give a crap about the answering the phone to answer polls. But I remember seeing the, that number. It's like, oh, 45 respondents. Okay. That's a margin of error of what? Uh, 21%? <laughs> So everybody's in it. There you go. <laughs> everybody's competitive. Yeah. That, anyway, that will be an interesting one to watch because it, it seems to be primarily between the PQ and the CQ. And the CQ candidate used to be the mayor there, so he's yep. like, he's a big kind of name as well. So it's a very local race. So we'll see what happens. Um, okay. So let's move on to Quebec Solidaire. Uh, so this is they've been really interesting to watch over this campaign because they've had a pretty good campaign. I think they've been treated more as a actual contender in a way that they haven't been in previous elections. Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois had a good few debates. Uh, he handles himself very well. But it's not clear how well they're doing because the polls have been all over the place for Quebec Solidaire. They're either really high or really low. And I don't. what's your bead on where Quebec Solidaire actually probably is? Quebec Solidaire is good in focusing on a few writings and working on them until they get it. And once they get it, I mean, again, I, I, we've said this before, the Quebec Solidaire has never lost a seat it's won hmm. before. I mean, it's probably going to happen this time around, uh, but still, I mean, when they when they get somewhere and they get into this community, it's really hard to dislodge them. Uh, so yeah, so Quebec Solidaire, the polls have been all over the place with Main Street, usually having between 11, 12%, other polls, uh, 17, 18. Uh, so, it, you know, of course, it's a massive difference in our in our voting system, those two numbers. Uh, I th would say is irreconcilable. I mean, there's, mm. I mean, there's even the margin of error doesn't explain such a spread. So um, we'll see. But I'll say this, as I mentioned before, the free ride that Monsieur Plamondon had had, this is the first time that Quebec Solidaire has had you know, massive pushback during a campaign. It, it didn't happen in, in 12. It didn't happen in 2014. It didn't happen in 18. Even I remember eight, 18, the Quebec Solidaire that I had, we have this bus for media and it's half empty. So come on down. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and people did not care much about the Quebec Solidaire. So they had a free reign, a free ride. Uh, and this time around, I mean, François Legault uh, pushed back a lot. And uh, even the liberals also pushed back a lot. They, 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 they criticize their fiscal plan as la taxe orange, the orange tax that's going to take away the means of production. Of course, it was not that, that but they, uh, they really pushed back. And I think Quebec Solidaire was not ready for this. Uh, mm. Gabriel Dubois, very talented speaker. We saw him, but he's also very polarizing, much more polarizing than Manon Massé was in 18. Uh, I know nobody likes Manon Massé. She she rubs people the wrong way sometimes. But Gabriel Dubois, a lot of especially older voters remember 2012, and they remember this kid that would had his fist in the air with the orange, the the, the red square, and they, they you know he's it's he's working really hard to shed this uh, this view of him. But it's still right there. The, the age breakdown is astonishing. I mean, we always see an age break, an age uh, generational divide in the polls, especially federal level, right? We see the NDP, more people. But the the the, the poll that we had last week had Quebec uh, Solidaire at 39 among young voters and 4% among uh, 55 and over. This is a Yikes. huge gener generational divide. I mean, much, much starker than we've seen before. Uh, so the, the youth vote doesn't get out as much, usually. But in the case of Quebec Solidaire, 
there are exceptions. If they target four or five ridings where really to get the vote out, you know, they could, you know, I think their goal is to get 12 seats to be a recognized party at the National Assembly. It's 20% or 12 seats. They're not going to get 20%, but they could get 12 seats. Right now, I have them at 10, uh, and the uh, bracket goes up to 15 if it all goes well. I don't think they're getting 15, but, uh, you know, 10, 12, uh, it would be a good result for Quebec Solidaire, but I know that they expected much more than that. They're, they will be disappointed with just a dozen seats. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but they the party still got that status right because it was awarded to them by the other parties that's the thing the uh, yeah. La last yeah 2018 you're you are correct both the parti quebecois and quebec soldat had 10 seats apiece and so they negotiated saying it's you know it would not be healthy for the national league to have 20 independent mnas so they both negotiated to be recognized parties but this time around let's say the the, the quebec soldat gets 12 and has official party status and the parti quebecois has two seats you think the other party is going to say, oh, the Parti Québécois, we like you so much. You, no, of course not. It's it's not going to happen. So Quebec Solidaire knows that if it gets to 10 seats and the PQ has one or two, Quebec Solidaire is not going to get official party status because the Liberals and the CQ won't give it to them. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. Okay, so uh, about the seats. So they had 10 last time, as you mentioned. Um, a few of those were uh, outside of the Montreal. They had two in Quebec City. They had one in Sherbrooke, one in Rainaranda, Timiskaming. Uh do you think that they're if you, you when you have them at 10 yeah. is it that they're losing some outside montreal and gaining in montreal they're kind of exchanging seats that way that's right uh for <laughs> incredibly quebec solidaire could become even more a montreal party uh the Rwanda, i you know we'll see how it goes but i can't see the qs winning this unless they really have a massive drive there they they won it last time with a split vote 32 percent uh, you know, to replicate that, you need the other parties to do well. And right now in the regions, you saw those polls in the regions, the Parti mm. Québécois and the Liberals in the regions of Quebec are just down and out in single digits. And those voters probably will not go to, to, to Quebec Solidaire. So we'll see. Uh, you know, there are local uh, dynamics that sometimes we miss, and uh, I'm not afraid to say it, but uh, the, the CEQ should be considered the favorite in Rwanda. Now, Sherbrooke is a different case. Um, we had uh, very uh, diverging polls in Sherbrooke, as you know. Uh, we had one from Segma that had QS with a seven-point lead, and we had one from Main Street that had the CAQ with a 20-point lead. So one of these two is wrong. Uh, and, you know, I, I do not know which one. I will not judge until we have the results. Um, I would not be surprised for the CAQ to win this one because, again, Christine Labrie in Sherbrooke for Quebec Solidaire had, I believe, it was 37% of the vote. So it was a good result, but if uh, the other uh, voters gang up against her, she, she, she has no chance. Uh, right now, it's a toss-up. I, uh, I wish I could tell you I knew more, but it's a toss-up. Yeah, we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean... If they won by seven points, that would be a bit surprising. But I think it would be more surprising the CAQ won by 20, uh, if it's just me. Uh, oh, no, you're you know, right. Sherbrooke is an urban center. Uh, you know, even the NDP held it after, what, after 2015, they still were able to win it. I, I'd be surprised if they collapsed that much. That incumbency helps a lot. That's but, true. And, and we'll see how that's going to play out in Quebec City. I think you're going to talk about that next because they had two seats in Quebec City. And Tachereau and uh, Jean, was it Jean Talon or Jean, Jean Lesage? Lesage? Jean Lesage. Jean Lesage. Yeah. And um, they have an incumbent in one of them. 
uh, Souls and Eddie, and then they don't in the other seat. But um, if they hold on to those two seats in Quebec City, at least they have a chance of being a party that's not just Montreal. That's true. And, and they probably will. I mean, Tachereau uh, is uh, where Catherine de Rion is not running against, so no incumbency. Uh, you know, I, I've heard from the other parties, some of them are not going to try. The Parti Québécois is going to try, but the other parties, you know, know that Quebec Solidaire is probably going to win. I think the PQ could finish with a strong second in that riding. Uh, it's the downtown, you know, the, the elites, the artists, the core, you know, the, the, the stereotypes that people throw around, you know. Uh, Shadow Frontenac. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, Jean Lesage, Jean Lesage is, a, is a funny mix because uh, half of that writing is uh, Limoilou, uh, which is urban, and the other half is Bopal, which really is not. Uh, so uh, Eric Duhem here and the Conservatives, the rise of the Conservative, could really hurt the CAQ and could ironically help Quebec Solidaire to hold on to Jean Lesage. But, <clears throat> sorry, if I could just go back to Sherbrooke for a second, um, yeah. you would be surprised if Sherbrooke, uh, if the CAQ wins by 20. You are correct, but the CAQ does have a very well-known candidate here uh, mm-hmm. in Caroline Saint-Hilaire. She's a former Bloc MP. She's the former mayor of Longueuil. I believe this is her sixth election campaign. Uh, the five previous ones, she won all five of them. And so she is a very experienced, very well-known. She is in the Quebec media. She was on TV all the time as a political analyst, as a commentator. Uh, so, you know, if, if the CAQ doesn't win uh, Quebec Solidaire this time, they probably never will. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. If the CAQ doesn't win Sherbrooke, sorry, I'm tired. Uh, they probably <laughs> never will uh, because they have like the, uh, a very strong candidate to, uh, to take that away from Quebec Solidaire. And there was a, a poll we had seen in Saint-François, which is next door, uh, that had the, the Quebec Solidaire being a bit competitive. So it'll be one to watch. If yeah. QS is having a good night, then maybe they can pull off those two seats. But um, we'll see what happens if, in terms of that. But If, if Quebec Solidaire uh, wins Saint-François, it's because they're having a really good night. And that 15 seat that I mentioned, that upper uh, bracket, uh, that means they could reach it. Yeah. Yeah. And that means that the Liberals could finish potentially third in the seat. So let's move on to the Liberals. Um, Their campaign, it seems to have been pretty ineffective, right? Because they haven't really done anything in the polls. They've been stuck at the exact same level, 16, 18%, which is really bad for the Liberals because when they got, what, 24, 25% last time, that was the worst that they've ever done. So now they're going to do even worse than that, that's for sure. Uh, And they just haven't been able to get any extra... You know, momentum. They've had Dominic Anglade, uh, her debates, you know, her performances weren't awful in them, but people didn't like them. Yep. And it, they're, they're, the coverage of their campaign has largely been about how it's not always gone very well, right? So it, it does feel like they've had a rough one. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you, you will see with the Liberals another regionalization of the vote, meaning that uh, the swing is not proportional. Uh, for those who followed my daily projections, at some point I did have the, the the Liberals as low as 14 or 15 seats. Then we had some local polls that showed that, okay, the, that core of the Liberal vote, I mean, there there are no more shells. <laughs> the shells are all gone, but the core Liberal vote seems to be holding on. And so uh, right now I have them at 20. It could be 21 if they win Verdun, uh, 20 seats. I mean, it would guarantee official opposition uh, status for Dominican Lad. Uh, but still, the Liberals do have to get out and vote. And uh, we know that sometimes disaffected Liberal voters will just stay home and watch TV instead of going vote. So this is a big, um, 
this is a big factor for them. I will say this: they did not have that strong a campaign, but uh, you know, if you if you finish second, uh, you you take it. You know, your the francophone vote is down. The vote in the region is awful. I mean, again, to go back to Sherbrooke, <laughs> the polls that we had in Sherbrooke, Sherbrooke was the seat of Jean Charest, which he used to win with ease uh, a few times. Uh, and the Liberals, once Charest left, won back Sherbrooke in 2014. And they were in single digits, in like low single digits, like 4 or 5%. We had polls in Trois-Rivières. I mean, in 2014, Philippe Couillard, Liberal Premier, won all the seats in the Mauricie. And now they're at 5 or 6% in Trois-Rivières. This is, so, yeah, so the Francophone has completely crumbled. But uh, traditional Liberal seats like Hull, like uh, many seats in Montreal, Chomédé in, uh, in Laval, uh, maybe two seats, one seat in Montérégie, like La Pinière, maybe La Porte. So those traditional seats seem to be holding on. Uh, we'll see on Monday, Monday night if they do. But if they do, the Liberals will be the official opposition because their lower confidence intervals is higher than the higher confidence interval for Quebec Solitaire. But do they finish second in the vote? Ah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Mm. You know, I, we'll see in the, the, the polls for tomorrow. Right now, it's, I mean, it's a quadruple tie, basically, between all the four yeah. parties. But as I said, the conservative seems to be slipping. We'll see if the, tomorrow if uh, uh, this, uh, this trend is confirmed. Um, Quebec Solidaire with young voters, uh, it's harder to do. Uh, Parti Québécois on the slight rise, you know, we could have, I'm not, I'd be surprised to see the CAQ at 40 and the three other parties or four other parties at 15, 16, which would be comically uh, ironic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, Liberals also have the issue, though, that the Anglophone voters, at least in the last campaign, didn't vote in huge numbers. Uh, so that could also be a bit of a turnout drag on the Liberals, right? So you have, you potentially have a situation where because of the Anglophone vote, the Liberal vote, uh, they underperform the polls because of their young vote. Quebec Solidaire underperforms their polls because the conservative vote is less. Uh, you know, they're they're losing a little bit of steam, and they don't have much going. of an organization. I know where you're going. They underperform the polls. PQ, you know, again could also. You, you, so you could have a situation where CQ ends up at 43, 45 yep, percent, and we're we're all saying, "Oh, why did we even say this was even get, like they were losing steam?" Like, it, it is. I can imagine that scenario playing out very easily. If the turnout is low, like very low, not Ontario low, because that's pathetic, but very low, like in the 50s, uh, I would not be surprised to see the CAQ at 42, 43%. Uh, I, I, I really hope it's not the case, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of disappointed people. The thing is, the, the Parti Québécois being on the rise and, you know, they think they have momentum, this could help. Parti Québécois voters, I think, will come out. And then you could have the Parti Québécois finish second in vote. Now, that would be something. That would be a, perceived as a great victory for them. Of course, they wouldn't bring them many seats, but nevertheless... Still be fourth in seats, maybe. Yeah, fourth in seats and second in votes. Yeah, great uh, first past the post here. It is going to be, yeah, I, I, it is going to be, a, the results are going to be those kind of results. We yep. had them in Ontario as well, right? Where yep. the Liberals and the NDP tied, but the seat count was totally different. So uh, did, did the Liberals uh, win the second place vote by like a hair? They finished second, teeny, right? teeny little bit. A yeah, couple yeah, okay. thousand votes, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, I guess our politics, I don't know if it's just a it just coincidence, but it, maybe our politics have become so... Uh, people are sorting themselves out in ways that are, are messing with the first past post system a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
more parties. That's the thing. More yeah. party. I mean, first past the post is great with two and two and a half parties. With five parties, well, Ontario didn't have five parties, but with five parties here, it has to be skewed. It, mm. it can't. It just simply can't be. I mean, if we had the CAQ at, let's say, let's say the final polls show the CAQ still dropping. I mean, Inger Street, you know, had the the CAQ lower than other posters, but they had it at 35, I believe, right? Uh, let's say the CAQ goes back to 34. Suddenly, it's still a majority, but suddenly, oh my God, those local races become uh, hell to project. Well, uh, it's, it could be fun, but again, I might, if I, you know, if we had an over under at 40 percent for the CAQ, what would you say? I think I'd probably take the over. Yeah, I me think too. I would. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Just because of these turnout effects. But um, just to get back a little bit to the official opposition thing, yeah. what to you is the threshold? Because if the Liberals are dropping, the uh, Quebec Solidaire is probably winning a few of those seats. So like there'd probably be a bit of a relationship between the Liberals dropping in terms of the seat count and QS going up. So what would you th think would be the threshold where it flips? I do have a number. It's 15. It's 15, 15 seats. Yeah. If, if the Liberals go down to 15 seats, it's because Quebec Solidaire probably is also at 15. And uh, if they both finish at 15, the official opposition status goes to whoever has the most votes. And that could be really close as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Could be fun. Okay. Um, so we'll finish <laughs> with the CAQ. Um, so every poll still has them way ahead, 20 points at least, even if they're dropping in support in some of these surveys. Um, but it feels like this has been a really bad campaign for them. Francois Legault had two... Pretty rough debates. Second one was better than the first one, but it was still pretty rough. Um, they've tripped up on immigration a few times, saying yeah. things that they would have had to uh, apologize for. They have their immigration minister, who has more or less lost his job this <laughs> this past week because of what he said about um, immigrants uh, not working and, and not learning French. Um, you've had issues with uh, statements that Francois Legault said about Joyce Echaquan, uh during the first debate that he had to apologize for. He was in uh, Abitibi-Temiskaming recently, uh, had a little bit of a, a heated exchange with a reporter there in terms of the um, the uh, copper smelter that's there and, and some of the issues uh, in terms of the, the health with the what's in the air. It hasn't really done much. It seems like they're still going to win this despite despite everything despite themselves and despite yeah. uh, there's something with monsieur legault that uh, history will when we have some uh, hindsight uh, perhaps we will discover that monsieur legault is just not a good campaigner because he didn't have a good campaign in in 2012 or in 2014 and even in 2018 is i mean the, the liberals were crumbling and jean-francois Lisée had for the parti québécois had a terrible campaign so he kind of benefited from the mistakes of his opponents and that's fair i mean you know you you play the hand that you're you know given uh but this campaign has been very disappointing and i think even CAQ, some CAQ voters would say the same it's just that nobody in the opposition parties has been able to you know take the ball and run away with it um political analyst at radio canada michel coj i was on a panel uh, yesterday at radio canada name dropping here uh but he said basically you know if the numbers are confirmed the CAQ, you know does win uh, overwhelming majority on Monday night. Uh, the next day is the first day of the uh, leadership campaign to replace Monsieur Legault because he's not going to do a third term. Uh, and uh, it's going to test 
this, you know, the coalition, the C in CAQ, uh, because Monsieur Legault did not seem like he had a great time. And what you, you know, what you mentioned about the immigration minister, um, not he said he he missed uh, misspoke, right? But he did not misspeak. He lied. <laughs> That's a big difference. He 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 put, you know, he used numbers to push his narrative. The numbers were wrong. So that for me, that's lying. Uh, there's a football coach that had, I don't remember his name, but he had a great quote. He says, you are what your record says it is, right? You've heard mm -hmm. this before, I'm sure. You are what your record says it is. And all these things they said about immigrants and all these this campaign of fear uh, about immigration that Legault himself said and uh, encouraged during the campaign, uh, he probably did not lose a single vote outside of Montreal about this, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, when Quebecers wake up on uh, October 4th with a new government and uh, an overwhelming CEQ majority, uh, this is who we are. This is, you know, if you can have that bad of a campaign and the people would say, why would you say so those terrible, thi terrible things about people wanting to come here and work and learn French? Uh, this is who we are. And uh, it's going to be uh, uh, perhaps a wake-up call. And, uh, you know, the generational divide here is showing in plain sight. Uh, I'm not sure it's stable for another four years. Uh, there's going to be some infighting, for sure. Um, and it's going to be... Quebec politics is rarely boring. I don't think it will be boring for the next four years. I, I think what you said about the opposition parties uh, really kind of hits the nail on the head. They were just not able to provide a, a better alternative, right? And uh, I think that even when it comes to the um, the immigration comments, you know, you have that uh, the Parti Québécois wants to reduce uh, the number of, of immigrants that uh, Quebec is, is choosing and, and bringing in. Um, you don't really have uh, a lot of uh, alternatives that are hugely different from what uh, the CAQ might be offering. You have the Liberals, but that also doesn't seem to be where a lot of Quebecers want to be either, right? So it is... A complicated issue in the sense of what the leaders are saying um, yeah. is yeah. not really getting to where I think people really are. Because I, I don't think that what you know uh, Boulet had said or what Francois Legault has said is where Quebecers are on immigration. But at the same time, I'm not sure if uh, they see uh, that issue in the same way that, for example, the Liberals do. So it, That's it, right. it doesn't seem like anybody has really... So the fact that the CEQ is able to maintain their support it's just because they're closer, perhaps, than uh, to where Quebecers are. At the very least, right. it's not a big a deal enough That's right. uh, to knock people off of their vote, right? Uh, the immigration issue has been a big issue during the campaign, but I'm not actually sure it's a big issue for voters. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're correct. Jean Boulet, is a, I mean, on a Monday night, watch for the writing of Trois-Rivières. The poll that we had in Trois-Rivières, the local poll we had in Trois-Rivières, had Monsieur Boulet at 50% of the vote. And the second place was the Conservatives. At I think it was 18. Uh, that's 70% uh, of the vote uh, potentially going mm -hmm. to either the CAQ or the Conservatives. If Monsieur Boulet, you know, does get 50% of the vote, that means his comments, as horrendous as they were and uh, as uh, libelous as they were, uh, did not cost him any votes. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, again, it says a lot about the opposition, opposition parties not connecting with uh, a chunk, a critical mass of Quebecers. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the CQ being able to improve its seat count, uh, you know, you said 90, 95, potentially, you know, that's a gain of 10, 15, uh, 20 seats. 
Is this because of the drop in support for the opposition parties, or is the CQ picking up support and winning some of these seats as well? You know, is, it's, is it just the split opposition, or has CQ improved its standing in, in parts of the province? It's uh, the CQ improved its standing everywhere outside of Montreal and Quebec City. In mm -hmm. Quebec City, they lost some ground to the Conservatives, perhaps not enough to lose seats. Uh, but when you have, when you look at the the polling in the regions, in the Saguenay and the Lestrie and the, the Bas Fleuve, uh, the CAQ has tremendous numbers there. And the fact that they're roughly where they were in vote count uh, in in uh, with respect to 2018 shows that yeah they, they dropped somewhere, and that somewhere is Montreal and a bit of Quebec City. So they, they uh, you know they, they say word for word, la CAC est le parti des régions. The CAC is the the party of the regions. And uh, we, we in the cities go like, okay, uh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, imagine if the liberals were like, we are the party of the city. We are the urban party. Can you imagine the reaction that it would create? But yeah, so anyway. Everybody loves Les Régions. It's where you go to vacation. So yeah. no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's, uh, you know, we often do this, um, I don't know if you have a, we'll, we'll finish on this. Just if you have a couple over-unders, we've done this in the past. Yeah. Uh, I, here, let's start with one. You had said one with the CQ, but I'm, my question is actually where to put the line. Where would you put the line for the CQ in terms of the seats? Because I was thinking 90, but now I'm thinking that that might be too easy. Well, uh, back in December, I think uh, we, when we did this, it was a long time ago, but I think the line still holds. Uh, it's it was 93.5. Mm. Uh, you know, remember for those listening, the line is put there so that it's hard to pick, and you know you have to adjust the line so it makes you think. If I, if we put the line at 85, or if we put the line at 100, it's too easy. Uh, and I think that line 93.5 is still pretty good because right now I have 92 for the CAQ, and they could be underestimated. So. Let's keep 93.5. Let's keep the same line we had in December. What do you think? See, this is tough because when <laughs> I was talking earlier about the turnout effects, right. I'm almost convincing myself that we're going to end up with the CQ at 43, 44% and winning a huge amount of seats. So that would make me do the over. But it's, high. it's in 94 seats is a lot yeah. of seats. But I think I'd take the under because I think... In a weird way, I don't think it's actually organized or like people are aware that they're doing it. I think people do sort themselves out a little bit. So I think that the PQ will probably win some of the seats out in the guest VZ because voters there will decide what, you know, let's let's have let's have a, our local person. Quebec Solidaire and the Liberals will not end up losing, you know, that many seats to the CQ on the island of Montreal. So I, I can still imagine that the CQ ends up somewhere, you know, at 89, 90, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Just because the voters sort themselves out to give themselves a bit of an opposition. Uh, but yeah, so I think I would take the under, but my gut telling me that I should take the over. And you know what? Perhaps on your uh, your uh, your site, the rid.c, you could double check because now I'm, I'm doubting. Did I say 92.5 or 93.5? I have a feeling that it was 93.5, but double check after the episode and we'll see. But let's say we do, we do stick with 93.5. Uh, I feel the same way as you do. I think it's going to be over, but, you know, even if you have a strong get-out-the-vote machine, it can't be strong everywhere at the same time. Uh, and I'm looking at the numbers right now. Uh, you know, the Liberals are 20. I don't think they're going to be much lower than that. Uh, the PQ is at 3. I mean, so, and 1 is safe. So the CQ would have to grab those two other ones. 
you know, to be different from you and uh, for bragging rights, I will say I will take the over, but I'm not very confident in the over. It's a good line. That's what it is. It's a good line. Uh, how about with this one? A uh, number of leaders of the five who are defeated. And if we put it at 1.5. 1. 1.5, 1. I will uh, God. Because I think Aunt Lad is going to get out of this. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I didn't think that during the campaign. I think now she, she should be okay. Um, that leaves Plamondon and Zuem. I think Zuem is losing, though, so that's one. And then, then Plamondon, what, what, what to do with this? I really could see both scenarios unfold that voters say, you know what, we need Plamondon in the National Assembly. Or, I mean, a lot of Quebec, uh, Quebec City voters have no interest in helping the Parti Québécois. So it's just that they... Will they really vote for a backbench of the CAQ to block the Parti Québécois leader? I I don't know. Um, 1.5 of voters not elected? Is that what you said? Leaders, yeah, who get defeated. Uh, I will take the under. I think only Zwem loses. What about you? I, I kind of think so, too. Yeah. Uh, you would... You, you know, you could play the odds and be and say that either Saint Pierre Plamondon or Anglade would lose. I would be surprised if Anglade lost, um, but uh, I kind of feel that the extra boost is going to help uh, Saint Pierre Plamondon, and it's just easier to imagine him topping that big board on the TV yeah. than uh, the uh, the the CQ candidate whose face I don't know. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll see. I guess I would know the face if I lived in the riding. All the signs have people's faces on it. Uh, do you have any other? Uh, do you have a, an over under to propose on your side? <clears throat> okay, uh, over under uh, seats for the Quebec Solidaire outside of the island of Montreal, and I put the line at two point five. I would take the over. I do. I would okay. say that they're going to win the two in Quebec City, and I think that they'll win one of the other ones. I think that they'll, I the win Sherbrooke or they'll surprise somewhere else. So I would take over on that. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. I, I you know. It's it's really hard to bet against Quebec Solidar in a place like Sherbrooke. Uh, it's it's a good riding for them. It's just, yeah, I mean, Main Street is gonna have some questions to answer if that happens because they had I mean, a the, rough. The, Quebec Solidar had a rough series of polls from them. Boy, the, the the national polls, the provincial polls, seem to kind of be converging a little bit. I mean, Quebec Solidar was at 13, I think. So if Leger has 16 and Solidar at 13, it's you know it's manageable, but if QS ends up at 11, or even the, the local poll that has QS lo- losing by 20 points at Sherbrooke, if that is not true, oh boy, that IVR is that IVR stuff is going to have to be revisited. And uh, you know, and I, and I, I like Kido Maggie of Main Street. And I know you know they have an A minus rating in my in my thing because usually they get it close. But those local polls sometimes can be very. Uh, it's risky to do the local polls. That's the thing. Um, We'll, we'll see, but I, I also have to take uh, the uh, the over. Um, uh, do I have another one? Well, sure. the, I mean, we we dis, we discussed this, but uh, you know, it's, maybe it's too easy. So I'm gonna have a, a little funky one. Uh, the popular vote. Uh, mm. Quebec Solidaire had 16.1 percent in 2018. Popular vote. I'll put the line at 16.5 percent. What do you say? Oh, it's uh, because on the one hand, I think that they've run a pretty good campaign. I think that a lot of voters in the last minute might decide that they uh, emerged as the kind of opposition, particularly among francophones, and they'll get a bit of a boost. But their support among younger voters is just going to kill them, I think, in turnout. And but I, I, it's a good line. I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I'll take. 
I think I'll take the over because I think that they'll do better than they did in the last campaign. Uh, but, you know, I don't feel great about it, but I feel like maybe they get 16.7 or something like that. But I'll take the over. You know, the I, I before the campaign began, I would have said an easy over on this and I would have put the line probably over. Let me uh, because the fact that they lost uh, the candidate in, in uh, Camille Lorrain, I mean, it was a, it was not a campaign that they were going to win in Camille Lorrain, but they were going to do OK. Right. Uh, hmm. You know, I'm just pulling out the numbers right now. And, you know, Quebec Solidaire had almost 8,000 votes in uh, in Camille Lorrain. And now, were they going to get as many? Perhaps not, but not very fewer. So that's 8,000 votes that you take away from Quebec Solidaire. And that kind of, you know, that kind of stings. Uh, so 16.5, you said the over. I could be different. Uh, you know what? I'll say, I'll, say, uh, I'll say under. I'll say under. I think okay. they get, like, the same result as uh, four years ago. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I can imagine them getting 10 seats and 16.1% of the vote again. Okay, yeah. we'll finish on this one. Yep. This will be my over-under. Uh, Radio-Canada CBC calls a CAQ majority government at 8.30. Oh, oh, hang on. You're going with CBC Radio-Canada? I'm with Bell Media on election night. Ah. And, and I'd say, I, I'll say this. I'll go with the Bell Media call, and I think it's before Radio-Canada. But uh, 8.30 is before, I say before. I think uh, 8.10, 8.12, unless there's a, a storm or something and people can't count the votes. But if really the vote counting starts at 8.01, as it's supposed to, uh, I, 8.30, I say it's before. Yeah. Yeah, I think it probably will be. Um, <laughs> but uh, you cowboys at Bell Media, I think, will go earlier. as, as They, they the are case, really so. fast. They, and they're good, usually. I mean, they, they, I don't think they've got it wrong before uh, on, the, on the general call. Uh, but they are really fast. And so, uh, yeah. And for those who are listening to this, uh, by the way, uh, I will be on Nouveau. Uh, this is like the French CTV, if you will, in Quebec. Uh, so, um, you know, we don't, we don't have the... It's a new channel, so we don't have the ratings of TVA or Radio Canada. But come say hi. I will be there. I will have the big screen. Uh, so come say hi. Oh, well, that'll be fun. And yeah. uh, if you don't live in Quebec, I'm sure you can find it online. You can probably oh, yeah, yeah, watch yeah, yeah. it uh, yeah. as well. Nouveau Info. So N-O-O-V-O info dot i think ca so will you can find it <laughs> yeah you'll find it and then you'll see philip there and uh and he'll give you a wave if no if, ties uh, if no ties bell media says we have to look like you know smart and trendy and you know I, it reminds me of that seinfeld sketch that uh, you may have heard uh, where the george says uh, uh my girlfriend says i have to dress uh, smart casual what is that and jerry says i don't know but you don't have it <laughs> so. yes if you want uh, so a lot more of a, a freewheeling show then you can tune in to nouveau and you can see them without a tie uh, looking like slobs but anyway that's fine all right so philip it's been a lot of fun chatting with you throughout this campaign and uh it'll be a lot of fun to see what the results are on monday night so thanks so much for this and uh, i hope you have a really good last couple days of the campaign and, and a great night on monday thank you eric it's been a blast and i'm sure we'll talk to each other soon and looking forward to alberta next right it is alberta next right yeah we'll see Ah, we'll see. Anybody can go early. Anybody can go early. That's maybe the, uh, maybe That's we'll have a federal election by Christmas. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Take care, Eric. Merci beaucoup. All right, bye. <laughs> Thanks again to Philippe. You can catch him on Nouveau, as he was mentioning. 
And for me, on Monday night, I'll be on CBC Radio, providing my analysis of the results as they come in starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If you live in Quebec, you can listen on CBC Radio 1, and you can listen anywhere in the country at cbc.ca slash listen. Just change your location to Montreal, and you can find it there. I hope you'll tune in. Last Monday, there was a by-election in the Saskatchewan riding of Saskatoon Miwasan. The NDP's Nathaniel Teed held the seat for the New Democrats, taking about 57% of the vote. The Saskatchewan party placed second with 36%, down about 10 points from the 2020 provincial election. And a bit of news from the Green Party leadership race. If you listened to the episode last week with David Thurton, we talked about how it is going to be a two-round leadership vote. The Greens decided that they will reduce that to a single round, so we'll know the leader of the Green Party on November 19th. Okay, that'll be it for this week. If you live in Quebec, of course, don't forget to vote on Monday. And until next time, thanks for listening.